Hi everybody and welcome back to another episode of I Know Why the Nick Caged Bird Sings. The podcast where we watch every Nicolas Cage movie in chronological order. We discuss these movies and rank them so that you don't have to. My name is Steve, I'm your host. Joining me as always is the lovely co-host, Hannah Martin. Hannah, how are you this week? I'm good. That song never gets old. It really doesn't. It's a great song, high quality song. I think we have to talk about it every time we crack these mics. Uh, I think that we legally have to talk about it in order <laughs> well, to uh, put it into our podcast. I wasn't going to say that, but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Thank you, Kesha. <laughs> Thank you, Kesha. For your service. <laughs> so I hope you guys are all having a as good of a quarantine as you can. We are having a great time because we just watched... What was the movie, Hannah? City of Angels. City Did you of forget Angel. already? No, I was just trying to create a little bit of banter. Oh, fun. <laughs> so, we, we love a good banter. Absolutely. So this movie is from 1998, and very briefly, Nicolas Cage, our boy, plays a guardian angel, a literal angel. Is who, he a guardian angel? We'll get into we it. We don't even know. <laughs> who falls in love with human Meg Ryan. Not the actress Meg Ryan, but she plays a doctor. It's not important right now. But one of the first things we're going to get into is the ratings and rankings of this movie. So, Hannah, where does this movie rank on Rotten Tomatoes, that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So, this movie has a 6.7 out of 10 on IMDb and okay. a 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, it's pretty okay, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's very, uh, very middle of the pack. Yeah, this is not the worst movie we've seen by far, but it's also not nearly the best movie we've <laughs> no. seen by far. Animate a face like well, it might be the worst movie we've seen. It's not the worst movie we've seen, but it wasn't good. No, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good at all. It wasn't enjoyable. Yeah, so we, <laughs> I'll ask you a few questions towards the end of the podcast after we discuss the plot. Mm, but mm-hmm. yeah, so let's get into a little bit of behind the scenes action. So what have you got for us? Yeah, let's do it. So the first thing I'll say is when when we were looking up this movie on our TV, the first thing that came up after the movie like movies that you might also enjoy mm-hmm. was this movie called michael and john travolta's face is on the whatever the cover of the movie right like the po- the movie poster yeah exactly it's just his face it's with like a cheesy face. smile and a mullet mm-hmm. so i decided to look that up because i was curious you know why sure that would be compared and it, it's essentially the same exact movie <laughs> came out in 1996 it's called michael like i said uh, apparently, <laughs> all right, I'll just read the, I'll read the plot for you. It's Please. a little bit different, but similar enough and just funny because the last movie Nick was in was with John Travolta. Right. So it says when jaded journalists, Frank and Huey, along with an angel expert, Andy McDowell, travel to a small town in Iowa to investigate a story, they find Michael played by John Travolta, a disheveled man claiming to be an angel. But Michael is less than angelic. He drinks, he smokes, he basks in the attention of women. As the group travels to Chicago, Michael teaches them about relationships, faith, and miracles, suggesting that he may be exactly who he says he is. Ew. Plot, very different. But if you look at any pictures from this movie, he wears the same exact thing that Nick wears, which Uh, is all black and like a trench coat. Like Nick essentially looks like a Matrix character. Right, right. Ew, why? That sounds horrible. <laughs> well, it has worse ratings than uh, our City of Angels movie. It has a 37 Good. on Rotten Tomatoes. Yikes, that's bad. Yeah. So that is a strong comparison and released only two years earlier. Let's see. The The thing that really, um, really got us in this movie was the soundtrack. Yeah, that was pretty iconic. It was. So my question to you is, you may be able to answer this here, but were some of these songs made for this movie or did they just use them appropriately? It's a great question. Okay. I can't imagine because I'm I'm a bit confused about that as well. Okay. So the song Uninvited by Alanis Morissette, Mm. it was nominated for Best Original Song in the 1999 Golden Globes, but I'm almost positive that that song is just from... Her album, Jagged Little Pill. Jagged Little Pill, which I'll look up real quick. Okay. It is not. Wow. So an original song by Alanis Morissette for this movie. Yeah. Original wow. song. So let me ask you about 
there are probably two other major songs in this movie. One is Sarah McLachlan in the arms of the angels. <laughs> I don't think that that was made for this movie. No. Okay. What about Goo Goo Dolls? Iris by Goo Goo Dolls? Yeah, I'll because that up too. the lyrics are astoundingly similar to the plot of this movie. Dude, it was written for the soundtrack of this movie. I kind of thought so. Once they started playing it, I was like, holy shit. And I don't want the world to see me because I don't think that they'd understand when everything's made to be broken. I just want you to know who I am. It's vague at best. Look up the lyrics because... I'd give up forever to touch you. Yes, that. I'd give up forever. Oh my God. Yeah. He gave up his eternal life. Right. So that's the central conflict of this movie, by the way, is that he's an angel. Are you and- kidding me? I've known this song my whole life and never knew that, that it was based off of this movie. Well, nobody knows or likes this movie. That's fair. <laughs> I guess 50... 50- what a te- flop. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. How did Two it do Two great it? songs came from it. I, yeah. Honestly, you don't have to watch this movie. You can just listen to Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. It made nearly $200 million in the box office. And it probably had a small budget. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was Meg Ryan's prime, too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Wow. And this is the golden cage. I mean, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) This movie proves that our golden cage may have stopped at face-off. We'll see. We will see. (laughs) Fascinating. Yeah. But yeah, no, you're absolutely right. There is a really just dynamite soundtrack for this movie out of nowhere. It, the songs are used really cheesily throughout the movie, and the song from Alanis Morissette is only really played at the end credits, so it's not like, you know, it adds to the emotional no. impact of the movie. It seems to have been used as a promotional tool to promote both of those songs, Iris and Uninvited. Right, yeah. I Just mean, a vehicle to put those songs into. I, I doubt it exists, but I wonder if you can find out monetarily how much money Iris has made versus this movie, because I feel like it's it had to have made more. Absolutely. It's one of Same those... with Uninvited. Yeah, well, I've never heard Uninvited before I've heard this. it before, but just because I've listened to the soundtrack of the Jagged Little Pill musical, and I'm pretty sure that that's in it. Oh, interesting. Even though it's not from Jagged Little Pill. Right, interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Well, that's, that's some nice behind-the-scenes info. or Well, not bes- behind-the-scenes, but some supplementary information. Yes. Anything behind the scenes or where Nick is at in his life? What's he feeling? What's he thinking? Um, yeah. So I watched an interview of him talking about this movie, a promotional interview. Mm-hmm. He's just so painfully normal in it. I know. And I in mean... this movie, he's also pretty painfully normal until the end. Yeah, there are some moments in the beginning, too. But... Well, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. But he's not, you know, his normal nouveau shamanic self. Right, right. So, yeah, it, this this interview kind of annoyed me. Okay. So, you know, he called this movie very original and uplifting, which okay. I disagree with. Right. <laughs> Both of those. Right, because there's a very similar movie that from came out two, two years, years prior. prior. Yeah. And then apparently someone else on the internet was saying that it's like almost exactly the same plot as some German movie that also came out well, the f- a few one years of the, before. One of the first things in the credits at the end is that this was based on another movie. Yeah, that was a, it's oh, a German the, movie. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, not original, Nick. No. no. <laughs> in in this interview, I noticed that he had a very difficult time saying the word dead or dying. He okay. kept pausing right before he was going to say it and then says, hmm. and then I passed away. Hmm. So. I wonder if that was part of the promotion. I think it just might be it's an uncomfortable <laughs> topic for him. Mm-hmm. He, he said he always believed in the script and he absolutely loved the music. He thought that it provided a good, I don't know, I guess, direction for the movie to go in. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then the last thing that he said, the guy interviewing him started sucking his tank. <laughs> <laughs> he, got on, he got down on all fours and started yeah. filleting him. It was like, oh man, I think that you would have, I really wish that you would have, you know, your acting would have thrived and in the silent movie era. I think that you would have been an incredible mm. silent uh, film actor. And he 
you know, was like, oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Oh, thanks. And then, you know, he started talking about how a lot of his acting stems from watching silent movies, which we've heard in the past. You know, he's obsessed with Nosferatu. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's why he makes that face. Yep. Mm -hmm. That face. We love that face. Oh, yeah. The face from fucking Vampire's Kiss. And uh, what was the one we just watched? Face Off? Yeah, Face Off. (laughs) I couldn't remember because I was like, he's dressed as a priest. Why is he dressed as a priest? Be- for no reason in Face Off. No, yeah, right, yeah, no reason whatsoever. Uh-huh. He should have just been an electrician. Anyway. Steve and I also realized we missed a huge opportunity where we were discussing the other day oh, what yeah. it would be like if we switched roles in our podcast where I go through the plot and Steve does some of the background research. And we should have done that for Face Off. We really should have. We'll have to save that. switch places. I know. Faces. We'll, we'll have to save that for another movie where he switch places, switches places with somebody else. Yeah, I have no idea if he does in anything else. He, like, kind of does in The Family Man, but not mm. really. We'll see. And then the last thing that we will talk about today before mm. we move on to the plot is uh, outside of the scope of this movie, but okay. the year is 1998. Yes. And Superman Lives is going to get produced. Wow. Okay. And in 2005, or 15, I think, 2015, they made, the they documentary. made a documentary called The Death of Superman Lives. Yeah. Didn't... Because this movie never got made. Right. Did you and I watch that together? No, I haven't seen it. Should we add The Death of Superman Lives into our watching and watch it when we get to 2015? Sure. We're not doing we, documentaries. I mean, we have so many movies anyway. It doesn't <laughs> really matter if we add one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched that documentary somewhat recently. Did you haven't, watch it? I've never seen it, like I said. But oh, haven't, okay. haven't a few people told you that you should that we should include it in the podcast yeah i've heard from a few friends like oh are you going to include this this documentary uh it's it's not really about nicholas cage but it is really interesting and it's just kind of a a peek behind the curtain of how movies get made why movies fail you know how one or two people can really spearhead a movie and champion it and then how one or two people can just destroy the dreams of the movie making process there have been a few images floated around of Nicolas Cage dressed as Superman. Correct. And the main one that people see is he's in like this rainbow costume hmm. with a mullet. Yeah. And then there's some behind the scenes footage of him dressed like the weirdest hipster nerd. And he's like, this is going to be my Clark Kent. And it just doesn't add up. But there is another image of Nicolas Cage dressed, you know, as the actual Superman. He still has the long hair, mm-hmm. but it actually looks That's the image pretty that I've solid. Seen. Yeah. yeah. So let's unpack that a little bit. I guess why it got canceled. Okay. So they started writing the script in 96 or 97 and it the ongoing the undergoing um title was Superman Reborn and it was by this writer uh, screenwriter Jonathan Lemkin. Mhm. So Kevin Smith was then hired to rewrite it because there all the reviews of Lemkin's script were very unfavorable. They were so, like this script is shitty. Do you know who Kevin Smith is? His name sounds very familiar. He wrote and directed Clerks, which had a lot of critical success. That was his kind of debut film. It was a black and white movie, A Day in the Life of a Guy Who Works in a Convenience Store. It's a really mm-hmm. good movie. He also has a popular podcast called Fat Man on Batman. He's a big superhero geek. He directs a lot of the, um, like, those CW shows, Flash, oh, Supergirl. What do you call those? Your superhero soap operas. Superhero soap operas, indeed. <laughs> okay, and, so he's yeah. in this world. Yeah, he actually has written a lot of comic books, particularly he has a really uh, famous run of Daredevil, Mm. and he's done one other major run in in a comic book series, I can't remember, but Daredevil is one of the ones that he's really known for. Okay. So Warner Brothers hired Tim Burton to direct this movie. Mm. I don't know if you knew that. Mm -hmm. And the first thing that he did after he signed on was hire his own screenwriter from Batman Returns. Right. Um and had him write an entirely new story. Mm-hmm. And then eventually a fourth person, I guess at this point, was hired to streamline the script and make it more budget conscious because we know Tim Burton and we know that he often has very elaborate uh, performance, well, not performances, just productions. Right, right. So there's two main reasons why it was canceled. The first being that Warner Brothers couldn't afford to produce it. And mm-hmm. the second being that the film underwent a rewrite, big shocker here, right before the filming <laughs> began. And it stripped away a lot of the very exciting scenes. Mm-hmm. So they had to just cancel it before shooting was scheduled to start. So 
because it was canceled, I guess there were some like underlying effects that came from that. Okay. Uh, the first being the money that was going to be made to use this movie went into making the 1999 film Wild Wild West. Yep. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> Which Nicolas Cage was not in. Right. Uh, Nicolas Cage continued to develop a Superman film after Tim Burton parted ways with Warner Brothers, which mm. never got made. Mm. Warner Brothers canceled the project and rebooted the Superman series in 2006 with the release of Superman Returns, starring Brandon Routh as mm-hmm. Clark Kent. Yep. Um, Kevin Spacey was the only cast member from the from the canceled Superman Lives movie to star in that film as Lex Luthor. Right. And then in 2015, the documentary came from it. Interesting. So an interesting point about the the rewrites, the, those last handful of rewrites that eliminated the exciting scenes. Mm-hmm. First of all, there there was like one head guy and he started out in Hollywood as a hairdresser and he just kind of failed his way up to the top, basically. And he was like, to all the people who were writing it, it, Kevin Smith is known as being a really honest guy. He'll just be brutally honest if he has to. And Kevin Smith said that when he was approached about the rewrites, this, this head guy, I forget his name now, but he said, I don't want Superman to have a cape. I think that's too gay. And Kevin Smith was like, what do you, what do you mean? What are you talking about? <laughs> right. And then this head guy was like, oh, by the way, the final battle, he needs to fight a giant spider. Yeah, and, so that happened in Wild Wild West. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and Nick Cage was like, or not Nick Cage, but Kevin Smith was like, that no. doesn't make any sense. Like, he's <laughs> fighting General Zod or, or, or Bizarro Superman or, or something. Like, why a giant spider? And he's like, I just think it looks cool. It doesn't. It doesn't. But then they worked it into... so stupid. The, they worked it into that Wild Wild West movie. Which was trash. <laughs> Will Smith was in that, right? Yes. Oh I forget who, who else. It was Will Smith and somebody else, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, so we all know how hard Nick Cage gets for superhero shit. Yeah. So this is yeah. probably a real upset for him not yeah. to be able to be in this movie. Honestly, I don't but think it would have been bad. he was in Teen Titans Go, which is unfortunately an animated movie yep. that we will have to watch at some point uh-huh. uh, as Superman. Yep. And then, of course, we all know that he played a superhero Ghost Rider. Yes. And, and then he was in the Spider-Man movie, too. Yes. And he was also in Kick-Ass, where he plays a very Batman-esque character. Mm. So, he's, so he gets he gets his uh, opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And, and honestly, I think he's really good in most of those that I've seen. I think he's good in Spider-Man. I think he's good in Kick-Ass. Mm-hmm. Ghost Rider. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, well, we kind of recapped it here, so maybe we won't do a, a Death of Superman Lives mo- uh, recap later on. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. I All didn't right. know that was this year. Cool. That was this year, 1998, and it was supposed to come out. It was supposed to start filming in April, and that's actually when this film was released. Mm-hmm. April 10th is when mm-hmm. um, City of Angels was was released. Wow, which is very soon. Yeah. Oh. I guess we have to talk about this movie. <laughs> I was getting so happy talking about superhero movies. Yes, and, unfortunately, we do need to discuss this movie today. Now we got to talk about this piece of shit. <laughs> Ready? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into the movie here. So like I said, the year is 1998. And the very first scene that we see, so we're going to go through the movie Nick Cage scene by Nick Cage scene. A lot of the scenes are actually very brief, so I'll try to recap it quickly, but very first scene that we see is Nick Cage is sitting in a little girl's room and it's very clear to us in the beginning that he can hear people's inner monologues and nobody can see him so this actually sorry hmm. this uh was a poll that came up on social media a couple months ago Mm -hmm. I I think a girl realized that she didn't have an inner monologue and posted about it to oh, ask yeah. other to poll the audience if other people do have inner monologues and it sparked some type of internet debate. Right. So I, I have to ask, do you have an inner monologue? Oh yes. Yeah. I I often vocalize my inner monologue. <laughs> Which makes it not inner. But That's what I mean. Yeah. I never knew if you did because you just talk out loud all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it depends on how you define it. But yeah, when I'm somewhere where I have to be quiet or something mm-hmm. like a library which he goes to a lot in this movie then yeah i'll speak in full sentences in my and head. when you think in your head do you hear your own voice like the timbre yeah. of your own voice i think so mm-hmm. yeah. me too okay good i think there we're are normal. some psychos out there who, who don't <laughs> they think in shapes what do you think nick cage thinks in he thinks in exotic animals <laughs> i was gonna say octopuses yeah <laughs> animals that mate in a way that he finds uh what is it? Dignified. Yeah. What a freaking weirdo. <laughs> so 
I think I, I wrote here I, to ask you to talk about his costume, but I think you already talked about it. Yeah, it's the Matrix without sunglasses. <laughs> right. He's wearing a long but black his, coat, black, black clothes. I want to address that in a minute because Hannah has a great quote about his costume later on in the movie. So there's this little girl in Nick Cage. He's already sad boy Nicky. He's just watching her. He's sad. And the mother's like, oh, no, she's so sick. So she takes him to the hospital. Nick Cage is just watching her. And Hannah says, and I quote, what a creep. If it were anyone else, it'd be endearing. Ew! Uh, because Nick is just standing there looking Staring. at this little girl. So another thing that I read was apparently for this movie, the director wanted all of the angels mm-hmm. to not blink. Oh, I never know. I didn't notice that. Yeah, me neither. Creepy. But it makes sense because he just stared with his big, stupid blue eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he probably apparently he practiced not blinking for a while. Yeah, uh, and then as soon as he becomes a human which like i guess i'm ruining the plot for everyone <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> doesn't matter <laughs> he um he starts to blink a lot which i didn't notice no i didn't notice that either i i noticed it more in like do you want to go back and watch and find out fuck no <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> i noticed it more in like anthony hopkins he did that for um uh, silence of the lambs he practiced not blinking to make himself seem creepier yeah and i think that that is ultimately what makes Nicolas Cage's performance in this not endearing but creepy? That that makes that might so much more sense. a lot to it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the kid dies, and the kid then stands next to Nick Cage, and he's like, oh, "I'll take you to the afterlife or something along those lines." So it then cuts to Nick Cage and his best friend in this movie, who's also an angel, uh, Andre Brower of Brooklyn Nine Nine fame, or at least today he's best known for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's probably known for other things that I'm not cultured enough to know about. But uh, they're sitting on top of like a street sign on the, over a highway kind of thing. And they're just talking about life and what it would like be like to be alive and all that bullshit. Then there's a quick montage of him guarding over other people and other angels guarding over other people. And he comes up behind, Nick Cage comes up behind like a seamstress. The people who aren't dying though. And this right. is where we're getting confused because right. it's... When the first scene is that he is he appears in the hospital room because this little well no first in her bedroom and yeah. then when they take her to the hospital follows her to the hospital because this girl is dying and we have no idea how he transports either does he <laughs> teleport did right. he ride the ambulance with them unclear right can um, he walk through walls who knows I don't <laughs> uncertain yeah and then uh, later in the next scenes he's at a library right right touching people. <laughs> yes. that's what he's doing he's yeah people that are alive right not at risk of dying any time in the immediate future right like okay so for example during this montage he comes up behind a seamstress and he puts his hands on her shoulders and like rubs his face against hers i guess to comfort her right but, but like she can't feel it is yeah. it just a spiritual thing what happens when he touches somebody we don't know because he touched the little girl and she died. Right. And, and he touched the seamstress and so, she like felt comfortable. So immediately we think he's the angel of death. Right. So as soon as he touches the seamstress, I'm like, oh my God, is she going to die at the library? But she doesn't. She's fine. And all the other angels that are there, there's like hundreds of angels at this yeah. library just like t- staring, not Honestly, blinking and touching people. <laughs> Look, this seamstress scene was like literally a second and a half long. I don't think they were at the library. I think they were just at some factory. They go to the library uh, a lot, but my bad. because Whatever. then he goes to an air traffic control tower, and there's this guy like, "Oh, am I gonna pay for my oh, right. daughter's college or and something?" And then he in his touches inner her, him, and then he starts to focus on his job again. Right? Like, what are his powers? Is it his con? Is he a conscience? I don't know. I don't know. And they're also like standing in exotic places. There's like guardian angels sitting on top of the Hollywood sign and like standing on scaffolding and, and then tall ev- towers. Every day they all gather at the beach. That's like it's, the next scene. Like yeah. it's some like MTV <laughs> I guess. reality show. But like, they're like all staring at the sunset and then the sunrise. Yeah, but they're like practicing social distancing with quarantine. They're all standing <laughs> yeah. six feet apart in a grid, <laughs> just staring at the sun and like basking in its glory. In their trench coats. In their trench coats. All in black. And I just don't get that. It's so ominous. And are they... I I get 
the feeling that they are supposed to be comforting. They're mm-hmm. supposed to be guardian mm-hmm. angels. I know it's cliche. Put them in white. <laughs> well, so I think you had a really uh, good I point. Did, I did, yeah. About why they're point. probably not in white, and that's because the very next scene he meets Meg Ryan in the operating room, yeah. and she's a doctor wearing a white coat. Right. So I think they wanted to distinguish so that it put doesn't. Him in a, put them in baby blue. You know that's a comforting color. <laughs> don't bring Just back don't... the boy in blue. Don't you oh, dare! Shit, don't I'm you sorry. dare bring back the boy in blue. <laughs> not in this house ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Put him in any gold silver well maybe gold would work yeah that would look really like that would pop yeah 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 it'd be weirder later in the movie which we'll talk about but yeah like when she finally sees him oh right yeah yeah but <laughs> she'd be like what are you <laughs> what are you like a car salesman a used car salesman i was gonna say like a rapper <laughs> a rapper yeah there probably weren't a ton of those at this time at least they weren't dressed like that 98 yeah maybe i don't know that was like the prime of people dressing like that we did just watch a handful of episodes of flavor of love (laughs) and flavor flavor and his viking horns and his giant clocks around his neck you know what time it is (laughs) (laughs) you know what time it is your time is up oh my god that show we're not here to talk about that we're we're here to talk about nicholas cage it's on hulu by the way oh my god public service announcement (laughs) announcement So the next time we see Nick Cage is he's in the operating room with Megan Ryan. Uh, Meg Ryan. I don't think anybody calls her Megan. It's <laughs> probably know. her name. <laughs> probably. And Meg Ryan is this excellent cardiologist or some crap. And they're like, okay, great. Yeah, patient's doing well. And then, oh no, the patient's failing. Like, bring Meg Ryan back in here. And she does a couple of things, which I'm not sure are what you're supposed to do when a patient's heart is failing. Unclear what protocol actually is, but she bare hands his heart and starts <laughs> massaging it. Very well could be a technique to right. start a heart again, and maybe in the 90s. But maybe, just yeah. doesn't seem uh, sanitary. No, yeah, it definitely doesn't. <laughs> and I mean, she doesn't bare hands. She is wearing gloves, but No, still. she's not. No, she's definitely wearing not gloves. Not when she comes back. Yeah, she puts gloves on. Does she? Yes. You were on your phone for a lot of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I did notice she didn't scrub back up. She did not scrub back up. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, but she put gloves on, I guess. So she took the time to put gloves on, but not to wash her hands. No, well, the patient was failing. So you got to do something. But so while she's she's bare hand pumping this dude's heart with his chest wide open, she inadvertently, I guess, locks eyes with Nicolas Cage, who she can't see. Mm-hmm. at this point right humans cannot i think you mentioned that already but i think it's important yeah. to relay yeah and repeat humans cannot see angels i wholeheartedly agree <laughs> <laughs> so the patient dies and and she tells the family she's upset and nick cage is just creeping behind her this whole time she it runs hits her really hard yeah she takes this to heart i guess because she's such an incredible doctor that you know she rarely loses a patient yeah she kept saying you know, people are like, people die, people die. And she's like, not on my table. Right, right. So she runs into a stairwell. And again, he touches her and she like f- sort of feels comforted a little bit. I don't know. doesn't matter. Then Nick Cage is in a convenience store just walking through with Andre Brower. And the convenience store gets held up like a guy robs it. And they're just both, again, putting their hands on people's shoulders. Just being like, it's going to be okay, not sweetie. Blinking. Just not blinking and like rubbing their faces, like nuzzling them. This is so creepy. They're like, what? What would it be he's like? Just stalking yeah. everybody. Yeah. Have you ever been seen, Andre Brower? And he's like, oh, a blind woman, I think, one time. And it's just stupid shit. Then <laughs> he's creeping on Meg Ryan again in the operating room, and she, she, we find out she's got some boyfriend. Then, then they go to the library for the first time, and they go back to this library a handful of times, and it's a really like architecturally different than what you would imagine a library It looks to be. like the Guggenheim Museum. Yeah, it's it's circular mm-hmm. and tons of levels, tons of floors to this library. So that every time they show the ground floor of the library and look up, all of the angels are just staring down at you. Yeah. It's very ominous. It really is. Especially with them all in black trench coats. Right, what, yeah. Not comforting to me at all. No, no, it's <laughs> fucking terrifying. <laughs> so... So Nick Cage is there and he's not watching over Meg Ryan. He's watching over some other dude, Reed Hemingway. And then Meg Ryan walks in and he walks over to her and just just like watching her again. A lot of the beginning of this movie is just him being a creep. So it's really rapey. Yeah, it's a little rapey. (laughs) It gets real rapey later. But 
So she goes back to the hospital, and again, we're like, how the hell does he travel? What is he actually doing? Why are there so many guardian angels? I, we just don't library. get it. Do yeah. people... I When I go to the library, I don't feel distress. No, it's not like, oh my god, I need spiritual guidance. Let me go to the library. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if I did, I would read a book, and that would provide that for me. You I know guess. what I mean? Yeah. Like, what... The library isn't a, by any means a stressful <laughs> environment. <laughs> No. Except maybe a college library. But yeah. this isn't a college library. This is like a public library. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know, Han. So they're back at the hospital. And Meg Ryan, I guess, in order to get away from all the death that she's seen recently, you know, the one guy that died, <laughs> she, she decides to go up to the neonatal unit where there's all these babies and, and the pediatric unit too, I guess. And there's a handprint on the glass for like the pediatric unit she puts her hand on it and of course nick cage is on the other side and he puts his hand on her handprint which is awkward as hell she like starts walking away and then walks back and suddenly she can see him he's standing there and she can see him and (laughs) this is where we get a good shot at the front of nick cage you see his glorious chest hair and hannah says again and i quote she goes his neck ends miles above his shirt (laughs) It's not a normal scoop neck shirt. Oh no, it's it's down there. It's deep. Oh yeah, it's like a deep V, but scooped. Right. (laughs) (laughs) He's worn that shirt in, and so she can. Sorry. Yeah. Just thinking about it, and the contrast between the black shirt and then his like light skin, and then the fur. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's wearing a sweater (laughs) under his shirt. (laughs) So she's all like, "Who are you? Are you visiting someone?" And he's like, "I'm visiting you." And then he's, they, they're just... And she's so chill during this interaction. Yeah. She's like, hey, it's midnight or something. The visiting hours have been visiting over Visiting hours forever. are over. Get the fuck out of here. Right. Who are you? Seth is his name. <laughs> and she's like, oh, hi, Seth. And she might as well start twirling her and hair then she, and And then he calls around. her by her first name. Yeah. He's like, hey, Maggie. And she, oh, she's, how do you know my name? Oh, it's on your name tag. And you get a better look at the name tag in the like, next scene. And it just says her first initial. M. M. But she's not freaked out by that. No. I. And he's like, well, what are you doing here? And she's like, oh, you know, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. And he's like, get out of here. (laughs) And he goes, hey, by the way, the other day, that patient, it wasn't your fault. And she's like, oh, thank you. It's exactly what I needed to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Not how do you know about that? (laughs) Right. And she like might as well just blinks or turns around or something and Nick Cage vanishes. And she's just like, oh, I guess I lost him. Just nothing. So weird. Then the next scene is Nick Cage again. He's in the operating room, and and this time Meg Ryan's operating, and everything's going well. And we hear her inner monologue, and she's singing the Band Aid brand single. I am stuck jingle. on Band Aid brand because Band Aid stuck on me. She's just singing that while she operates. What a psycho! <laughs> and then she goes, uh, "Having a good day. Wish I got Seth's number though." And it's what? like, what? <laughs> Bitch, this is the creepiest man you've ever seen in your life. I don't know. May she... I remind you, he is dressed like the Matrix. It gets worse because after this surgery goes well, we see her back at her house. Yo. In the tub with candles lit. Yo. She's probably at some point that evening diddling herself. <laughs> <laughs> and Nick Cage is just sitting there watching like a fucking creep. And she's like, ooh, Seth. Stalker. She's having a hot bath and a cold beer. You know what's up. (laughs) (laughs) So we're back. We go back to the library and she can see him again. So she runs into him at the library and he's got just this monotone ass voice. And he like hands her a book or something. And we're like, I guess he can hold things again. It's not clear. Can he move things? Nothing makes sense. And she's like, well, you didn't try to reach out. She's like, you should have beeped me. And he goes, you've definitely been beeped. Which I thought was an incredible line. And then this is where like. Oh, sorry. Oh, gosh. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) Hannah bumped the mic. Sorry. Why is she into him? It just and also in movies like this, yeah. when there's something unexplainable, mm-hmm. unexplainable mm-hmm. to humans, when it's a bit sci-fi, True. they usually try to give some exposition to explain mm. exactly what it is that the 
the thing that is not human can right. do. They right. don't even make an attempt in this. No, it's very vague. And yeah. like I like I've said in other movies, I don't want things spoon-fed to me. Sure. I like to be able to think things through myself. However, I needed this to be spoon-fed to me because it made no sense. <laughs> do you remember when we watched that movie The Box with oh my God, Cameron yeah. Diaz and yeah. James Marsden, yeah. I think? Yeah. It's like that. There's nothing's explained. <laughs> it makes zero sense. <laughs> that movie's terrible. Oh. I think we talked about it on a previous podcast. I think we watched it right before or right after one of the movies. Yeah, we were like, let's watch The Box and then watch Amos and Andrew or something. <laughs> we are like, why did we do this to ourselves? <laughs> we just ruined our weekend. Yeah, we really did. We ruined a Sunday. Yeah. So they like romantically touch hands and this is when all of the other guardian angels line the library and just look at him like, what are you doing? Like all of his bros get mad. And I expected there to be some type of conflict to come out of that. Sure. But there's not. No. No one cares. No. No this, one says anything to him. Yeah. This is a man versus self movie. It's not a man versus man or man versus society. Stupid. Yeah. I know. So he's like, why don't we get out of here? Let's just go anywhere. So she takes him to some sort of market or grocery store and they have a boring conversation about pears. <laughs> and she decides to bring him to the hospital and into a lab, like a blood lab. And she's like, let me put your blood under the microscope. I guess, is, is this a date? I don't know. She Steve. has a boyfriend. And I, anyway, I while she puts her bl own blood under the microscope, because Nick Cage doesn't have blood, <laughs> he like gets up behind her and sniffs her hair. <laughs> Do you think that was his choice? I don't know. I highlighted it as a nouveau shamanic moment, so we'll discuss that later. But then they start talking about tears, and I just wrote, I'm really, really bored. Yes. I wrote that in sad, my notes. <laughs> sad when that's the most nouveau shamanic moment. In the I know, movie. right? So then she has to go handle some crisis, and he disappears, but he's still watching her. She just can't see him anymore. It, so creepy. The reason she had to leave is because that she is addressing another patient, right? So there's another patient she's about to do heart surgery on, this guy named Nathaniel Messenger. And so Nick Cage, while he's watching, he can't be seen. He goes up to see the patient that she addressed. And the patient goes, I can't see you, but I know you're there. And we're like, oh, shit, what the fuck's happening? I don't know if he reveals himself at this point, but maybe the next scene. Uh, there is a brief scene in between. We'll get into Nathaniel Messenger in a second. But again, uh, Meg Ryan goes back to her apartment and this time the boyfriend's there and they're like playing with the dog and she's telling like, oh, I had the most amazing day with this guy, Seth. Like, and the boyfriend's like, just like, okay, cool. Yeah. So confused. No. Yeah. And we're like, is that his brother? Is that her brother? But no, <laughs> right. they, they have sex later. <laughs> but there is a scene. There is a moment in this scene where Meg Ryan opens the fridge and then closes it. And, and Nick, Nick Cage disappears <laughs> like a horror movie. Yeah. It's terrifying. I screamed. <laughs> she she <I> did. <laughs> so now Nick Cage goes back to the hospital with this guy, Nathaniel, and they start talking and Nick Cage makes himself seen to the patient. So now they, they can see each other. They're talking and the guy's like, oh, okay, I get it. You're an angel. You're here and you've been interacting with Meg Ryan. And he's like, I get it. Meg Ryan's attractive. She's got a small chest for my taste, but all you need is a handful. That's like an actual like, line in the movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's disgusting. So the guy's like, all right, come on, let's go. And they go to a restaurant, the, this patient in Nick Cage, and we find out that the patient, Nathaniel Messenger, is a previous guardian angel. Mm. And he discusses about how, hey, come on, God gave us all free will, so you have free will. You can become a human if you want. That's what I did, and I've got a beautiful wife and kids, so you should do that too. And now I'm living my life, enjoying all of the glutton. Oh yeah, he's a, he's. There's a reason he's getting heart surgery. Yeah. <laughs> he was like sneaking ice cream before his heart surgery. And then when they go to the diner, he orders everything on the menu. Oh, and he smokes a pack of cigs, mm -hmm. and like, oh yeah, he's just, oh, he's an absolute glutton. So they're at the restaurant, and then suddenly they vanish to like some skyscraper scaffolding, and they're just sitting on top of the scaffolding, and the guy's like. Ah, uh, you know, I'm uh, not really afraid of heights because I used to be an angel and I used to sit up here all the time. So that's what makes me a really good construction worker. Funny story about that, actually. Yeah. They were actually sitting on scaffolding. Ooh. 
That was all real. Okay. And both of those actors are terrified of heights. So they did not enjoy filming that scene. How high up were they actually? Was Quite it green high. screen? Really? Quite high. Really? Mm-hmm. Were they harnessed in? I believe so. Okay. Well, at least they were harnessed in. But still. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned that last movie or two movies ago. Yeah. I forget Cage what it had was. A hard time. I think it was The Rock. Was or, The Rock? Oh, no. Maybe it was Face Off. Or Con Air, maybe. Whatever. I can't remember. One of the three. One of those. <laughs> he, yeah, he discussed his fear of heights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Okay. So. He's just a person, Steve, just like you and me. I, God, I guess. We're all Nicolas Cage in some way or another. Oh. <laughs> I want that on a shirt. <laughs> we are all Nicolas Cage. <laughs> so they go. He brings this this random dude, this random fallen angel, if you will, back to the beach to be like, hey, yeah, no, we still gather at the beach every sunrise and sunset. They catch some waves and they bask in the sun for a minute. Nick Cage is then seen sitting on top of another skyscraper scaffolding and he's explaining all of this to Andre Brower, except it pans out and it's just a giant cowboy statue. (laughs) Just LA things. Just LA things. Then he makes himself seen again to Meg Ryan in the park where she's playing with her dog and she finally asks him the questions that we're we've all been waiting for like are you a drummer is one of the first questions out of her mouth she's like what's with you are you a drummer why do you always wear the same clothes over and over why would that i don't know that's what she said i wrote it down and she's like why are you so weird about tears and blood and why do you vanish (laughs) and all this sort of shit and And then why don't you blink yeah the hell i would notice that in a person i guess i didn't in this movie but if i spent all day with somebody mm, yeah. and i didn't see them blink it would drive me nuts anyway they kiss for some reason and he grabs her face as he does it because he always does then uh she's like hey you know by the way that patient's having a, a welcome home party after a successful surgery you should come Na- with Nathaniel us Nathaniel messenger yes yeah so they both go to this party and there's this little girl I guess, which is Nathaniel Messenger's granddaughter hanging, named Hannah, by the way, hanging around Nick Cage's neck. And she goes, I'm growing. (laughs) What? (laughs) What is happening? And somebody takes a Polaroid of the two of them and Meg Ryan picks it up and he's like just a flash of light in the picture. You can't see him. And I think this is where she's like, ah, he's. Oh, of course. He's supernatural. He's a celestial being. (laughs) so meg ryan and nick cage go back to her uh her house or her apartment whatever it is and she's like here cut up this lettuce for me and he cuts like through his finger and he doesn't bleed he's like basically a hologram but again can he move things but what's the pressure limit for can he can pick up a book but when he slices through his hand it goes right through him i don't i don't know i, I don't know Nothing we don't know is explained. it doesn't matter it we, we i have no idea I'll never think about it again after this. No, that's true. Yeah, so she takes a knife and she cuts his hand and she's like, ah, you don't bleed. What's going on with you? And she's like, I don't even know your last name. And he goes, uh, plate. (laughs) And then he ends up telling her everything and he's like, but it's because I'm in love with you. And it's like, great. And she's like, no. (laughs) So Nick Cage and Andre Brower are hanging out on the wing of an airplane, an airplane hangar. And this is where we hear in the arms of the angels and we're like of course of course of course what a gimme sarah mclaughlin and it's just a quick montage of him at a bar he's with nathaniel again and he goes oh my god sorry i can't imagine how many like 90s girls cried to the soundtrack yeah yeah i agree with you (laughs) i have a point about that later anyone that's true it's 1998 everyone can can cry to to the soundtrack absolutely so they're at meg ryan's house and i'm pretty positive that they're gonna bang in this scene and even han says ew i hate this (laughs) wrote that down too but they don't bang he goes back to the library and meg ryan basically harry and the hendersons it i don't know if you you know what i'm talking about you ever see harry and the hendersons no you ever see the episode of 30 rock where they talk about harry and the hendersons probably where it's like you you push someone push someone someone away for their own good because meg ryan finds out that like she doesn't want him to give up his immortality just to be with her yes so she's like no i'm going to marry my boyfriend you keep your immortality or some shit Mm -hmm. it's harry and the hendersons okay listen to iris by goo goo dolls and watch harry and the hendersons and you basically got this movie (laughs) 
first by Google. So this is where the movie takes a turn because Nick Cage, he's back on top of some scaffolding. This time he's by himself and he takes the jump. And we're like, oh, I guess it's a literal jump. I guess heaven is just this half finished building in LA <laughs> that he's got to jump out of. It's that, like 30 stories. Right. Like, d- does it matter where he jumps from? Could he jump from like a foot? He jumps 30 stories. Why? And then there's like he some, lands in a construction site. He lands in a construction Wait, site. Wait, but first we should talk about the way that his cape billows. Oh, he was gorgeous. <laughs> it was gorgeous. This shot of him. What falling. song was playing during that? It was like African chants. Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 we just were like, why? What is this? Sorry. <laughs> Anna lost it. So, so he wakes up in this in this construction site, and he kind of like grunts and laughs. It's not really a scream. If I don't know if I'll insert it or he not, scream at all. In this movie. He barely screams, but so he like can taste his own blood, and he looks up at all these construction guys, and he goes, "You see me? You see me? Can you see me? Is this blood? This is blood." And then one of the construction guys who responds is none other than Ron Swanson himself, a surprise cameo by Nick Offerman. He goes, hey, yeah, that's blood, all right, or something (laughs) like that. We're like, hey, Nick Offerman, look at that. Then he realizes he's a real boy, and he's just dancing down the street. Blinking. (laughs) He's blinking away. Doing all the real boy things. He's dancing down the street to what's the name of the song by Ella Fitzgerald, and he's singing the song. He's like, down and down and down I go. I got a black heart or something like that. Uh, the song is That Old Black Magic. Ah, that's what it is. And the lyrics go, baby, down and down I go, all around I go in a spin, loving that spin I'm in under that old black magic called love. Yes. Okay. So he's singing that as he's as he's strolling down the street. He's jumping, he's twirling, he's skipping along, looking good. Real nouveau shamanic stuff here, I gotta say. Lovely. And he runs all the way to the hospital and he gets to the hospital and he's like, I got to talk to Maggie. I got to talk no, to Maggie. First, Ryan. let's talk about how he can't find the hospital. It's absurd. He right. starts asking yeah. a bunch of people, where's the hospital? Where's the hospital? Yeah. It's like, did you not pay attention? I understand that maybe you were able to teleport places. Maybe, possibly. We don't know. I have no idea. Right. But did you not pay attention for the X number of years, potentially thousands of years that you've been in Los Angeles watching right. over people? Right. Yeah, no, at first when you were like, no, we need to talk about this first, I was like, nah, it's nothing. Who cares? But no, you're right. You're absolutely right. It makes no fucking sense. What? (laughs) What, do you not know the geography of the town you're in? How long have you been there? Literally since the beginning of time? (laughs) I don't know. Right? Since the hospital was built, presumably. That's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he was there a million times throughout the course of this movie alone. That is frustrating. Incredible. Now that you bring it up, yeah. So he gets to the hospital and he's like, I need to talk to Maggie. I need to talk to Meg Ryan. And he's like, Take a moment to catch my breath. <laughs> breath! And that's like the first real scream is kind him of, shouting he, breath. He's so excited to feel human things. Yes. And then he Blink. sees one of Meg Ryan's friends, who's one of the pediatricians, and he screams at her. He says, Anne! Where's Maggie? And that's probably the only real scream in this movie, actually. Mm-hmm. And, she, and he's, the friend is like, oh, well, she went to her uncle's place in Lake Tahoe or something like that. Well, why would she give that information to right. him? Right. She's never met she's, this She doesn't know who man. this is. No. He couldn't explain how he knows her. Mm-mm. He's like, oh, I just know her. <laughs> and she's like, oh, well, let me, she's in Lake Tahoe. Let me give you her entire schedule and her address. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't give him the address, to be fair, but still. No. Which is wild, because he finds his way to her. Right. So he hitchhikes his way to Lake Tahoe. I'm he, sorry, he can figure out his way from LA to Lake Tahoe to this woman's house, but he can't figure out his way from no. wherever he is to the hospital? Right. So that he's been to before. Fucking annoying. Yeah. So frustrating. <laughs> so this is where they play Iris during him hitchhiking and, and finding his way. To get to her. I'd give up forever to touch you, which he basically did. He gave up his immortality just so that he could be touched by Meg Ryan. You're the closest to heaven that I've ever been. Blah. And I don't want to go home right now. Ew. All I can taste is this moment. Ew. Sorry. 
So he shows up at Meg Ryan's house and he's like, oh, where's your boyfriend? Yeah, you bleed just to know you're alive. You bleed just to know you're he alive. Bleeds. He's bleeding. He's got blood all over his face because Sorry. he got mugged. No, Can't you're get good. over the song. I know. And so she starts wiping his face and just kind of cleaning him up. And she's like, oh, I couldn't go through with it. I'm in love with you. I'm not in love with him. And we're like, what a home record. There is. <laughs> I hate movies like this where there is absolutely nothing wrong with the boyfriend. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I kind of assumed that he was going to be the central conflict. Right. The boyfriend. Right. He's not. No. He's like a good guy yeah, and a fine. good doctor. Yeah, he's another surgeon. Right. And she's just like, we can't just sit in a room staring at each other for five minutes. And he's like genuinely like, oh, no, yeah, we can. He tries Mm-mm. to like he's be like, with her. She's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just trying to hang out with you. Yeah, fucking Nick Cage comes in with his celestial powers. <laughs> <laughs> just know everything about her. Touches her shoulders w- once. Watches her diddle herself in the tub. So disgusting. <laughs> so oh, what a creep. They're As both stalker. They're both fully humans now, and they have this really awkward open eye kiss as she's wiping his face. And Han again, a great quote says, "Ew, he's gonna eat her. Ew, they're gonna fuck." <laughs> and they do. And he's got a great face where he like bites his lip. Uh, which is really funny and she's like oh we're just gonna live together forever mr and mrs plate ha 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 oh my god but then han oh then meg ryan decides that she's gonna go to the market and and gather a few things for the morning for their breakfast and nick cage decides that he's gonna take a shower (laughs) and i don't know how to phrase this let me just say to the masses you see nicholas cage's penis in this movie (laughs) you see a nice silhouette of all of Nicolas Cage in this movie. Hannah, as we've a, seen his butt before. Yes. We may have never even, seen his front yeah. before. Yeah. We saw, well, we f- saw his front from the side. Yeah. 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 It wasn't like full frontal. We've never seen his dick before is what I mean to say. Absolutely. It was glorious. <laughs> what did you think as a, as a woman who's generally <laughs> attracted to men? Like for half of a second. Yeah, it really was. It's just an outline. Still. <laughs> i just wasn't expecting to have to see it absolutely yeah so nick cage (laughs) after his shower he sits down at the kitchen table he's looking around for meg ryan and she like set out some fruit for him and has a candle lit and we cut back to meg ryan and she's riding her bike in the middle of the street with her eyes closed and her arms out like oh i'm so happy to be alive with this fucking angel god person And a truck pulls out out of nowhere, and she hits the truck face on. And the, at the same time, the candle blows out that's on the table, which is the corniest shit I've ever seen. So Nick Cage apparently just knows this and runs out to the street, sees her. She has a few last words and says... She has a few lacerations also, but nothing, yeah. like, fatal. She looks totally fine. And <laughs> she's just, like, laying there. She's got, like, a bruise on her forehead. And a blanket over her. Yeah. And a pillow. <laughs> and Nick is able to muster up one single tear. <laughs> and she retires. And oh, she's pa- like... She passes away. She passes away. And she's like, my favorite thing about life is you. Even though they knew each other for, like, a day. <laughs> you quickly see Nick Cage at her funeral. So, wait. Yeah. Let's unpack this. Do we have to unpack it? Yes. What, what do we got? What do you got? Nicolas Cage gave up eternity. Yes. Gave up not being able to feel pain. Yeah. Gave up being able to presumably teleport everywhere. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hanging on the beach, not have to have money, not have to have a job, not yeah. have to take care of his health. Right. To kiss, have sex with this woman one time, mm-hmm. be with her for less than 24 hours. Yeah. And then she died. What what realistically does he have to live for now? Oh, almost nothing. Yeah, no, 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 nothing. <laughs> so, you know, I think they play Iris again and you see the funeral and you see him at uh, that guy Nathaniel's house and he's just like, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. And then he goes to the market and he's just buying a shitload of pears. Cause the, <laughs> and right as he walks into the market hannah again goes ew oh my god and she like screams when we're watching she's like why is he standing like that because <laughs> i guess he was standing in a weird way i didn't even really pick it up but i wrote it down he that was he was standing, standing like, like the grudge 
he had his like head, I guess, slightly cocked to the side and his feet kind of wide apart as yes. he was just standing there. Like Slender Man. <laughs> <laughs> then, oh, you know what? Yeah. It's like Voldemort. There's one scene in Harry Potter where he is at he um Harry is like hallucinating or something that or dreaming about him and Voldemort is on the other side of the train tracks and he's standing with just a very wide stance like I said mm. and he tilts his head to the side. Ooh, creepy. It's, yeah, it's cr- incredibly ominous. <laughs> I guess he doesn't really know how to stand, but he should. He should. He he's stands. been a human for a day. Right. <laughs> You kind of nail down those <laughs> basics first, you know. But uh, figured so, out how to dance pretty early. <laughs> yeah, right. And learned all of the words to an Ella Fitzgerald song. Uh, so he he ends up just crashing at Meg Ryan's house because I guess he's got nowhere else to go. Right, he's homeless. Right. He doesn't so, have a job. Right. So Andre Brower <laughs> appears, and Nick Cage kind of raises his voice, but he doesn't scream. And he was like, "Oh, it was all worth it." Was it though? <laughs> nah, I don't know. He goes back to the beach with all the other angels, jumps in the ocean, and then the camera is like right above him as he breaches the ocean in the credits roll. Movie's over. <laughs> so I have a few closing thoughts. Oh. One is obviously great songs. I was curious whether the songs were made for this movie, so thank you for they answering are. that. Mm-hmm. I also wrote down that this movie felt really long. It I think was. It, I think it was like an hour 45 or something. It felt like two hours and 45 minutes. Really long. And the last thing, I think you kind of mentioned it a second ago, but I have a feeling that in 1998, lonely middle-aged women went nuts for oh, this shit. Absolutely. Oh, I mean, this my movie God. made a pretty significant amount of money at the box office. $200 million. That's a lot for what realistically had, probably had a very small budget. Mm-hmm. Any other Close closing? Close to. I don't think it was exactly, but still. Okay. Any other closing thoughts? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. I would never watch this again. <laughs> I will say that we we kind of had some fun watching it a little bit. There were definitely some boring parts, mm. but we had a, we had a little bit of fun watching it. Yeah, because like I said, I think it's supposed to be endearing, but because it's Nicolas Cage right. it's and just he's not. ultimately a creep, right? It's 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 just stalker. It, I get stalker vibes the whole movie. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and also I will admit, after watching three action movies in a row and then having to sit through this, it's like kind of disappointing yeah i agree with that i can see that for sure oh boy you want to do some awards let's do some awards okay first up best supporting actor there were a few dogs in this movie there were some dogs in this movie we usually give it to the dog Hmm. meg ryan probably not no andre brower no nathaniel messenger sure (laughs) over the dogs the dogs didn't do anything significant not really Okay. Nathaniel Messenger is. Sure. All right. Okay. Done. <laughs> Could not care less. Best dress. There was really only two co- I mean, it's his major costume oh, yeah. or it's like his flannel in the end. No way. It's the yeah. trench coat. <laughs> Absolutely. The shirt that is too low on his chest. Worst Nick Cage scene. Maybe the one where he touches her hand through the glass. Mm, I was going to say in the laboratory where they're just talking about tears for like what seemed like 30 minutes or any of the scenes where he's just staring at people that's true how about the whole first third maybe half of the movie (laughs) okay (laughs) what was the best nick cage scene um probably yeah i mean we can give nouveau shamanic and best scene to the same thing sure yeah it's when he's dancing and singing to the elephant Gerald song okay (laughs) the only other one i would think might be a contender would be when he wakes up and is all bloody. Yeah, or maybe when he shows up to the hospital and he yells at Anne. But I think that's going to be best scream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's leave it as the dancing down the street for now. What do you think that's best fine. best scream was? Probably Anne mm. or Breath. Yeah, th- those are kind of s- together, so we can give it to, to one or both of those. I don't really mm-hmm. care. Yep. Let's just get through this. And finally, most new shamanic, same thing. It's uh, dancing, dancing in the streets. All right, fantastic. Well, that's going to do it for the awards. Where are we ranking this thing? Middle to bottom. Okay, middle to bottom. Honestly, I thought this was worse than it could happen to you, but it could happen to you is number 25. Where's Amos and Andrew? Is that lower? Yeah, that's number 27. Oh, okay. What's 26? 
Zandali. Oof. I think better than Zandali. Yeah, but he's more cagey in Zandali. That is true. That is true. Wow, do we want to put this within the bottom five? Was it that bad? I think above Amos and Andrew and below Zandali. It's not bad, but okay. he's not himself in it. Like, he's just boring. Yeah, that's he's true. He's just creepy. Mm-hmm. Better than Amos and Andrew. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's better than Amos and Andrew. But I, but Zanily has that whole black it out, black it out, black it out scene. And you know my favorite, the yeah, aggressive, the ballroom, aggressive dance. ballroom dance. <laughs> you got to put it below that. That's fair, now that you put it that way. Yeah. Okay. All right, I like that. I think that Zanily should probably, on, on those you know standards only i think mm-hmm. Zanily should probably probably be above it could happen to you but it's uh, i mean oh we wrote it in ink you know yeah it's, it's, it's done, done. <laughs> <laughs> all decisions are final <laughs> so that changes our now bottom five our bottom it's five fine. now goes city of angels amos and andrew the boy in blue time to kill industrial symphony great <laughs> <laughs> hannah wants out so i'll just mention one thing and that is next week. We're going to be watching a movie called Snake Eyes. Fuck yeah, we are. I don't know anything about Snake Eyes. It's got worse ratings than the movie we just watched. I have only seen the movie poster, and it looks horrendous. Absolutely. <laughs> it's purple. Yeah. And Nick Cage's name is in green, immediately adjacent to the title of the movie. And then it says, <laughs> believe everything except your eyes, is the, is the tagline of the movie. Wow, do you think he plays a magician? He looks like a magician. It says watch closely August yeah. 7th. I hope so. Okay. Is this a magic movie? Oh, I hope so. That would be I'm great. I'm looking forward. <laughs> All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. I think so, too. Anything and else? Now you know why the <laughs> cage bird sings. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for listening, guys. Nicholas, Nicholas.